0: Welcome to the AEW Dynamite review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode, the anniversary episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. 2.0 and pay per views. Uh, we also have round table discussions and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Sidgwick, as I said, to review the anniversary special episode of AEW Dynamite. And things don't change much in two years in terms of just great programming, do they? That's been absolutely awesome. Loathe though I am
1: to start a Thursday morning by talking about Raw. What's
0: with the Tony Braxton voice at the start of the intro now? I don't know. Is it a Dana Brooke thing? Remember that? It's a bit of that, and it's a bit of just years of being told, Welcome to, to Monday, Monday, Monday Roo. Roo. I, I remember
1: know. Dana Brooke when she was uh, <laughs>
0: about
1: a uh, challenge Ronda Rousey, yep. was it? Yep. I'm out here every week. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> it's great. Anyway, let's talk about a good show. Talk yes. about an absolutely fantastic show. A uh, show
0: that's been so good for two years. Someone really should do a podcast, possibly on Saturday lunchtime this week, let's say, talking about two years of dynamite and where we've come from, basically. Well,
1: where would you listen to such a
0: thing? Well, I suppose maybe any, if anyone was going to do it, maybe what Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, we would do it. And maybe if you subscribe now, well, that'll be on Saturday lunchtime. Just a thought, just a thought. Anyway, let, your thoughts on this uh, anniversary special show.
1: Another great show. Book ended by two awesome matches, one of which I kind of have to be pedantic about. I don't want to be pedantic about it. I'm never usually a big, uh, ruined because of a botch. I'm not like that much of a petty dick, but it was so, the timing was so it unfortunate. And they
0: didn't really move on quickly. <laughs> they just sort of indulged in it. They were like, yeah, we screwed that up.
1: It's a bit strange and it, it did break the immersion because they cast an absolutely exceptional spell. But, Wilborn, I want to rip off your gimmick.
0: And I'm going to do your gimmick, but it's genuinely an earnest question.
1: Was this the hottest Dynamite crowd ever?
0: Oh, it quite possibly was. It certainly... Jesus. Certainly, you know, and this is going to be... This is difficult because obviously they do Rampage and sometimes they get burnt out a little bit. And that reaction when Hangman Page... To be honest, with all the new arrivals, I forgot even worked in AEW. Bad takes on her. Is he going to get lost in the shuffle? Maybe not. Maybe because... I'm not going to rant, I promise. But yes, the reaction when he came out, the reaction to some of the matches, the the heat, for example, for for Serena Deeb, where she clocked Hikari Shido with that. Um, I mean, I, for a split second, couldn't work out whether or not we couldn't hear Dan Lambert or Jericho couldn't hear Dan Lambert because the mic wasn't going through the speakers of the arena Or the crowd were just so loud that Jericho's like, I'm sorry, I didn't catch any of that bollocks, basically.
1: Yeah, this crowd was absolutely ballistic. It was an absolutely awesome viewing experience for the vast majority of the show. Um, We are in 2020, February territory for me. Might even be eclipsing it at this point. I've held that period of AEW aloft as just perfection. And I don't know if it's just because it was so cruelly lost. Yeah. That it's... Maybe I'm elevating it to higher than it was, but it was just so awesome. It was just so awesome. I remember living through it like a little mark, skipping into work every Thursday morning, and that's basically what I'm doing right now. show was awesome. Let's delve into the air. Let's get up to our nuts and guts.
0: Indeed. Let's start with the opening match. This was such a crammed show. We didn't have time for all the entrances of your Brian Danielson's, your Christian Cage's Jurassic Express, and all of the super elite, of course. We just dive straight into it. All eight men are in the ring. We start off uh, with Jungle Boy and Nick Jackson. They just worked so well together. Really exciting back and forth between the two of them. Uh, later on, I did enjoy the bit where he crotched Nick on the top rope and did this insane balancing act. You know, with the aid of the... The super
1: kick on the top rope.
0: Ridiculous. As opposed
1: to, literally, when people say the top rope, what they mean is the Turnbuk- top turnbuckle. Yeah. He did a super kick on the top rope. <laughs>
0: uh, so he gets crotched on there in jungle. He's bouncing and flipping and doing all this mad stuff with the young books. I thought that was very, very special. Uh, the reaction, as you alluded to earlier, when Brian Danielson first tagged in and nails those yes kicks uh, on Matt Jackson. In the midst of all this, though, uh, Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler, Bloody interfering. They attack Christian on the outside. And the Young Bucks use this interference. He gets sprayed in the eyes by Brandon Cutler, for example, with the cold spray. They use this to hit an indie taker on the ramp. He's taken out of the match. It's a handicap match, effectively, now. Jungle Boy, though, shows great spirit. He's desperately trying to make a tag. They keep cutting him off. He finally hits a brain buster. Comeback lariat. Gets the hot tag to Brian Danielson, who comes in and squares off with Kenny Omega, and the crowd reacts like they haven't seen this before in terms of these two men not being in the ring together, and we saw it very recently, but still, it just goes to show what an exciting feud you've got here, with or without the title, in my opinion. They square off, forearms between each other, they put some yes kicks in, he uh, pops Omega up on the top rope, Danielson, top rope Hurricane Rana hits the diving head, but in come the books to break up the pin, Luchasaurus runs wild. Actually, this is the bit he runs proper wild. He just runs slightly wild. <laughs> takes out both books. Uh, loads of big moves. Danielson eventually locks... um can't remember who it was. Someone in the cattle mutilation. I think it, it was, was Matt. Kenny. Oh, it was Kenny. Locks him in the cattle mutilation, but Nick breaks up with a senton bomb. This is where Luchasaurus comes in, counters the Panama Sunrise, Choke slams Adam Cole onto Kenny Omega, tail whips Nick, roundhouse kicks Matt, moonsaults, Onto Cole and Omega on the floor. Mad stuff, this. Uh, Jungle Boy hits Hurricane Rana that sends Nick to the floor, but then Omega cuts off. a Danielson dives and hits that mad Terminator dive over the top rope to the outside. Cole sets up for a dive and just decides to hang about in the ring and do the old Adam Cole, baby. Turns around. There's Luchasaurus. Chokeslam, moonsault, near fall. Jurassic Express want their finisher, but the Super Elite uh, get a distraction. Low blow, Luchasaurus. They this is where they go for some sort of team powerbomb and it just doesn't work, basically. And instead of just rapidly moving on, they sort of wallow in it briefly of like, well, we screwed that one up. Um Jungle Boy gets involved. He gets hit with a Snapdragon suplex and the Panama Sunrise, but Danielson makes the save. Danielson's fighting everyone off. He's the only one standing at one point. He hits yes kicks, but Omega catches the buzzsaw. Danielson eats eats a triple super kick, and then the Super Elite hit a four-way BTE trigger on Jungle Boy to get the one, two, three. I'm breathless just describing this.
1: I mean, this match was so awesome, and this is potentially a generous take, and some cynics out there will say you would say that botch and the placement of it, like it almost sold in a weird way how great the structure of this match was because it just built and built and built and just got more and more and more and more, and more awesome. So by the time they pop that balloon, it's like, oh man, if it had happened like three minutes in, you'd be like, Oh, it's unfortunate, but they've got loads of time to build and yes. get you back into it and kind of make you forget about it. The fact that it happened at that precise moment.
0: It's like they're turning the corner for the home straight, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and it's just like, oh no, because you've been so drawn into the drama, you've been so exhilarated, and it was just the worst possible time to do a botch that in itself wasn't that bad. Like they still sort of power bombed him. They still sort of power bombed him. Nobody got hurt. It didn't. It looked weak and very awkward, but it didn't look fake. Like it didn't look like someone's just completely mistimed something and someone's had to sell it.
0: Like for example, the the confusion with and I'm not going to single them out because I thought it was explicitly bad, but it was noticeable. The Malachi Black Dustin Rhodes drop down. Oh, wh- when are you hitting me? When's this? Like that just looked atrocious. This just looked like. They just, it just
1: looked like a bad, really, 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 really bad powerbomb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny you mentioned Malachi Black, because I remember, and I always remember Alistair Black versus um, Lars Sullivan. He completely missed him and he sold it. It's like, don't sell it, you stupid tit. But he sold it, and that looked way worse. But again, it was just because this was structurally so amazing, like it just totally fell apart in that one tiny moment. But you know, the end finishing sequence. I had so much time for that I can just it was still like a four star plus match. Mm. Um the way that they put Jungle Boy away just distilled that AEW's approach is the perfect way to do things. He got beaten not exactly cleanly because they shouldn't have been in the ring for as long as they were and god damn it did Jim Ross like to point that out. He's also like pissing on it. It's like it's been two years. If you don't like it, you know, take your ball and go home. Mm. At this point, like, you know what to expect. All you're doing is just dampening the experience. Learn to live with it because you kind of have to at this point. You're not going to change it. It's not going back to one save, five-second rule that Jim Ross likes. So just get get over it. Get over it. I'm going to be nice now, and I'm going to be high on it now because this is mostly 98% just incredible. What I loved about this match is that they took the same structure of the Dark Order versus Elite five-on-five and improved upon it vastly. As much as I loved that match, my only kind of issue with it was that they did a structure where every single Dark Order member got a bit of shine before they all got taken out. And it just felt a bit like obligatory. Mm -hmm. In a way, it felt like they were doing it to be nice and selfless with their opponents. And it only got really hot when Paige was the anchor of the match. This is totally different because Christian Cage got taken out. And as Excalibur was great to point out, it felt a little bit more scary than a normal just angle because we know about Christian Cage's head and neck issues. That was really inspired in terms of taking him out. They can do something potentially with the Jungle Boy Christian Cage dynamic that's still burning slowly away. But regardless, what that allowed the match to do was for... Jungle Boy spots to look awesome. Luchasaurus's last stand to look awesome. Brian Danielson, like when you fight from underneath, it just feels that much hotter. Mm. Um, So I had all the time in the world for that. Jungle Boy in this match was so unbelievable. He's always been a prodigy. He's always been good. He was green two years ago, if you can believe that. He's so not that anymore. He's always had a similar, he's a baby face. He's kind of a great, if one-dimensional character, He's always had a sequence that he does and it's great like you know jumps on the ropes does the arm drag etc legitimately this is the highest compliment I can pay jungle boy he went toe for toe like acceleration for acceleration just the timing with that Nick Jackson sequence was like he looked as good as Nick Jackson yeah in the ring on that night there was no outclassing him It's never been carrying with jungle boy but there's always like oh he's leveling up like he's on that he felt like he was on that level last night I thought it was an individual performance. Um, Jungle Boy was absolutely incredible If you watch this product closely You will get Rewarded immensely This is why people adore it This is why people resent Those that adore it because their thing isn't as good Quite frankly (laughs) and their thing Isn't as rewarding I can understand if you have a loyalty towards WWE And you see an AEW fan going This crazy about how great it is It must be annoying I don't know if it's petty jealousy or what but if you pay attention to what they're doing and they do pay attention and they put things in certain matches that are going to inform the drama of future matches they knew they were doing this four man this eight-man tag as they booked um Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson mm-hmm. the finish of Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson was cattle mutilation and he maneuvered into cattle mutilation with a dragon suplex in this goddamn match Brian Danielson hits the dragon suplex on Kenny Omega, and then transition in, transitions into cattle mutilation. Because they've built this as a finish, you're thinking, oh my God, it's over. That's one great thing about it because it conveys the idea that Danielson, were it not for the save from Nick Jackson, mm-hmm. might have had him beat because you've just seen him uh, tap somebody out with this finish. They're in the ring, and you're thinking, well, Nick Jackson typically breaks things up with a 450. And I'm thinking... Even he can't do a 450 from that angle because it was so far away. And then he just lands the most beautiful centaur you've ever seen at some ridiculous distance. It was just absolutely incredible. Danielson looks like he's going to kill someone. Literally, he's going to kick someone's head in. He (laughs) just goes so goddamn hard with his kicks. Luchasaurus was awesome. He was was great, yeah. so over. All of it was unbelievable. And my favorite thing about it was that four-way BTE trigger, which was the finish which puts over just how good the craft was and the structure that you can just get one more peek after that really, really ill timed botch. Because my favourite thing about AEW, and one of the things I've just, one of the reasons, many, multiple, why I've lost interest in WWE is just the sheer amount of DQ finishes. There's no heat to it, so no one gets over as a heel. No one gets over as a babyface because they're not winning. Nothing matters. Absolutely nothing. They don't get reprimanded for getting DQ'd. There's no punishment. There's no rules. There's no structure. There's no meaning. What I love about AEW is how it puts its performance over and defeat. So what you have here is Jungle Boy entering possibly his greatest ever individual performance on the exact same night in the exact same match as he takes possibly the most brutal kill shot in this kind of match genre. Those two things together... Jungle Boy's lost a match here.
0: Mm. We said he, we we weren't sure, not necessarily if he could afford to lose another one, but we were booking alternative scenarios where he <laughs> yeah. didn't get pinned in this. Yeah. And yet I've not turned around and gone, well, that's him done. Because it it's a four-way BTE trigger in a match where he's, they're at a handicap disadvantage. Yeah.
1: With zero exposition required... Or, like, nothing telling you right in your face. Oh, he didn't really lose. Because he did lose, but he also didn't. Just they find that balance superbly. And that's one of the best finishes in Dynamite history. And it only really worked as well as it did because Jungle Boy was performing so well on the match that I bought that only that could put him away. Mm.
0: And it looked amazing as well. Uh, that was followed by a uh, backstage promo from John Moxley. He said uh, he's lost patience for anything that takes patience. There's no man in AW who couldn't pin and submit him. So now we're going to have to try a ladder match. He says, I've got a three-month at, ho- uh, three at home, and she's insane. Can you attest to that? Is it three months in? Is it pretty pretty hard slog? It
1: differs for every single parent. My son James at three months, my God. Like, if there's any... Young dads out there or any prospective fathers, I've got one bit of advice. One, do some SAS uh, sleep training ahead of it. (laughs) Just so you're used to it. It's such an... uh, It's just wild how tired you get. Even worse than the fatigue you feel is the screaming you hear. Like, no one prepared me how much it happens and how loud it is. Um, So James, three months, was like... And another bit of advice, and this is a genuine one, um... I'm not trying to do a joke here. If your baby doesn't take the bottle or whatever from you, it hurts because they prefer their moms because they just do at that age. It's the maternal bond. It's so hard to rationalize it, but they will come to love you just as much. Mm. It's heartbreaking and you feel like a failure. Please don't. If you're struggling out there, don't. All the love will come. I cannot put that over or across. Enough. But yeah, James was a nightmare at three months. Love him now, but he's a total nightmare. Charlotte loves me into a false sense of security. Absolutely amazing, docile baby. And she's going to be a genius when she's older because she's so independent and so willful. So yeah, I identify with getting a little bit <laughs> tetchy, getting a little bit tetchy, he's getting a little bit chubby. I, all these things happen to me like, the most identifiable man in professional wrestling right now is John Moxley. <laughs> anyway. But
0: they are awesome when they grow up most of the time. <laughs> he says, this is his city, it's his belt, he's winning tonight, basically, in the uh, casino ladder match. Then we get a promo from CM Punk. Again, huge reaction for him. You bap. Uh, he comes out, he says, anyone else? I don't know, is anyone tired of this yet? He's They're not. We're not. He's not either. He's points out, he can't believe he's got these Jordans on his feet and I thought, that was a weird comment. And, of course, it all makes sense in the end. Uh, he talks about moving to Philly in uh, 2002, wrestling part of the week, training for the other part of the week. He just loved wrestling. and just completely immersed himself in it. He said uh, he used the money he made in Philly to buy an iPod and a laptop because he was rich. He wasn't rich, money rich. He was just rich in wrestling culture. Now he's back, and he's never tired of this feeling. He wanted to give it back. So he said, I'm going to give you a choice tonight. I can either wrestle tonight or I'll buy everyone cheese steaks or cheesecakes. I think I'd pick a cheesecake over a cheesesteak. I love a good cheesecake, Me, I would
1: pick a cheesesteak mm-hmm. purely because. I mean, I'd
0: pick wrestling, CM Punk wrestling first, obviously, but a secondary choice. I mean, I can watch them wrestle next week. I do love a cheesesteak. <laughs> um,
1: you can get a good cheesecake anyway. Fair point, yeah. Cheese steak is the local. No one else can do it better. That's a very good point. I'm full of them.
0: What do we have around here that I've only had when I moved up? A chicken par- I never know how to pronounce it. Palmo.
1: Palmo. That's Middlesbrough, man. But it's the best northeast. No, Middlesbrough is Yorkshire. Hmm. It isn't, but, like, it's <laughs> just the thing that people say. <laughs> um, Stotty bread? Stotty, aye. Peas pudding. Stotty bread, peas pudding. Brew ale. Uh, Saudi
0: Arabia owners.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, we don't have... We don't have like a incredible regional dish that I would put toe toe with any other regional dish in the world. We just don't up here. But my god, the seafood is special up here. Mm.
0: Aye, and I'd a I generalised chicken parmo. Just it's like chicken with it's special like sauce. From Middlesbrough. It's north. I just, I'm not from round here. Just being around I'll here. Just listen <laughs> to
1: someone from round here then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, you can't
1: get a parmo in
0: Newcastle. No, I had it by the time the other week. And it was sit, sitting by the time.
1: Look, a doner kebab is our regional dish.
0: <laughs> and I will not have it said otherwise. Regardless, we're not talking about food. We're talking about CM Punk. He's, uh, he's saying he gives them the option. They pick wrestle, of course. Uh, and he's d- decided that um, Daniel Garcia caught his eye with the interactions that they had. He's got fortitude and he's going to face him on Rampage, which, of course, is going to be in Philadelphia. I'm, fans, so I'm fine with that. Uh, he goes to leave. And then as he goes to leave... The, makes sense he takes off these fancy Jordans that he's got on his feet and he gives them to child orange Cassidy in the crowd and JR says don't worry kids you'll grow into them what a lovely bloke I this is really great I'm bored at the prospect
1: of him doing this when he answering his question he says are you tired of this yet I'm tired of the prospect of him doing it I get tired when he says that and then he'll link his feelings to the location or his storyline and he always makes it incredible it just underscores literally how traumatic WWE must be to work for yeah. if he's still feeling like he did on the first dance the sheer relief that he can love this again the thing that literally defined his life you could always tell when he gave media interviews it's like oh I have to know Cell Wrestling because I hate it now but it's it kind of sucks because this is my whole thing mm-hmm. um, look me and Murray were having a chat uh, in the office earlier. Like, as good as this is, it's going to be one million times better when he stops doing this, when he feels like... Because at the minute, he's just so overjoyed to be in the world that he's not in the world yet, if that makes any sense whatsoever. He's still recognising it as a world that he's thrilled to be a part of.
0: An out-of-body experience. Yes, so that's
1: a perfect, perfect, perfect way to put it, Will Bourne. Thank you for putting it like that, because I didn't have the um, take on the tip of my tongue. Once he's literally in the world, in his body, really part of it, like balls deep in the storylines, in the narrative. Um, That's going to be 10 million times better than this, but it's authentic stuff. Mm. We're going to get hopefully a great match on Rampage. I haven't heard any urgent, you have to appointment viewing Dynamite this match as a banger, which worries me because mm, the Punk versus Powerhouse match, Hobbs match was good to very good in patches, I'm kind of waiting at this point for the CM Punk experience mm. rather than watching CM Punk experience wrestling again.
0: That's fair. That's very fair. Uh, and I think Daniel Scarcy is, is a good sort of style of opponent akin to a Darby Allen in terms of just being able to execute more of the technical aspect, let's say, rather than a power game, yeah. versus him. So we'll be intrigued to see that, and we'll obviously preview that on the Rampage preview tomorrow. But from a, a lovely man to a terrifying man, Armed Anderson was on Cody Rhodes' lot. Imagine that! Oh, don't worry, Brandon. Oh, you 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 have a bit of a rest. I'll put the baby to bed. What's in a what's suit? That? What? Yeah. What's that? <laughs> what's that? What's that light flickering in the distance? Is that someone put that Halloween decorations out already? Oh no! Don't worry, dear. It's Arn Anderson with a fire on our front lawn in a bin. Uh, he's talking on is uh, about splitting up from Cody Rhodes. He's burning a suit in this bin fire. Cody comes out and goes, "Arn, what the bloody hell are you doing?" And he goes, "It's not my suit." No. <laughs> he says, "Sorry, that's." <laughs>
1: the latest arcane bit of uh, Wackel to crack.
0: Yes, that's yeah, the, the late British bulldog.
1: Oh my God, it wasn't even my car ripoff man, I mean repo man.
0: <laughs> anyway, on uh, well Cody says Arn turned his back on him, and Arn says, no, you turned your back on us. Um, Cody can have his million dollar houses and his reality TV shows. He might as well just paint a star on his face. Love that line. Uh, Arn insists that Cody gives him his tie. Cody doesn't want to throw it away, so Arn just slaps the taste out of his mouth and Cody throws it in the fire himself. Nice little development, this. No, I hated it. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I loved last week. I loved the idea of Cody being a heel again. I keep putting over the 2018 run, it was exceptional. This, to me, one, scanned like he wants to redeem himself as a baby face and like it was pretty on-the-nose symbolism of, you take the suit off and put the wrestling boots back on, and I'm thinking, no, he just needs to turn heel. Mm-hmm. It's literally he's not going to get a babyface reaction, no matter how pretty the symbolism is, or like, come on, like, read the room. Yeah, I thought you'd read it really well last week. Um, I'll probably get made a tit off next week when this develops in the way that, I, uh, the rational part of my brain, who can, like, take a step back, look at the picture, where everything's going. This segment made me not want to do that at all. It felt like it was doubling down on. The redemption of Cody Rhodes. Like, no wants to see you redeem yourself at this point. Like, come on, man, I was with him every step of the way during that baby first turn. I'm the last guy to say, yep, no, you should definitely turn heel. And this felt like anything but. Uh, invisible camera nonsense, get in the bin. Did on just take a camera guy there to set up this elaborate scene. Like, if you think about, if you take it out of the, this is a broadcast context where everything kind of makes sense. There's set interview time. You've got a scheduled interview with that guy, then someone can can, um, interrupt it and drive the storyline forward. Invisible camera nonsense. You have to believe that Arn's dragged the camera guy out with a boom mic and they've had to test the levels of the equipment. All of these things I do not want to be thinking about at all. Um, The face painted line was great. Yes. Cody wearing a suit at what, 10 o'clock at night? Because we're only, it might have been earlier because we're into autumn. I don't want to think about this stuff. No,
0: I'm wearing my trackies as soon as I get home, by the way. I'll,
1: I'll put my drama bottoms on. as the first thing I do.
0: <laughs> but then again, the one thing I would counter all that, because it's a very legitimate complaint, is Arn Anderson's got a Glock. So, I mean, anything... We lost this. You've got to set up all this bull. Oh, yeah. No, actually, Arn, now you make that point.
1: Uh, okay. It felt like they were chasing. What's the cool thing we can do with on yes. this week? Fire. It just felt like a bit of a... Uh... They're trying to bottle lightning.
0: Yeah, it's a bit preposterous. Uh, we get the video package that you may have seen on the road to uh, to set up the TNT Championship match. Bobby Fish challenging Sammy Guevara. Uh, and Sammy Guevara beforehand was shown giving a new truck to Fuego Del Sol, who immediately tried to bet it for the TNT Championship. And they all had a big laugh about it. Uh, Bobby Fish uh, in this match, bit of a, more of an MMA style, you know, striking game that he was targeting Sammy Guevara. They immediately go to that sort of thing. Uh, Guevara hits a drop kick but uh, Fish kicks out his legs as he goes for a springboard sending him crash into the mat he's just battering him with kicks and punches here and um. Fish uh, hits a high kick, hits a backdrop driver, gets a two count, but then Guevara fights back hitting a standing Spanish fly. Uh, Guevara goes up top, goes for the 6.30, but Fish pops up, kicks him down and hits that brilliant uh, top rope avalanche falcon arrow for a nice near fall. He then hits a corner exploder for another uh, two count, but uh, Guevara dodges that buzzsaw kick that appears to be Bobby Fish's finisher, hits the GTH, one, two, three. He retains the TNT Championship, not that we thought he was probably ever in threat in this match.
1: No, and that was part of the issue. This was solid to good to strong without really milking my kyak. <laughs> like, I'm oh, sorry, I might be like a first time
0: listener. What's this guy talking about? Cheese steaks and my cak, my It's <laughs> Not even my cheese steak. It's not even my <laughs> Um
1: Look, let's get away from this arcane spider web that we've constructed. Of niche patter, even patter. Mm. Yanks might be
0: listening to this. What's patter? <laughs> banter. What's I per? love the banter.
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, look, solid to good to strong. Like the Falcon Arrow spot was great. Um, it's an even better moment in the picture and picture, which because I watch it on Fight TV, I don't have to worry about. Uh, yeah. Where Bobby Fish. His stuff looked snug, which yes. really helped. Kicked the back of Guevara's calf, and Guevara being Guevara, just bumped neck first on the apron. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that was great. He took the finisher brilliantly. Um, I didn't have this sense of, like, glued to the screen, living and dying on every fall. I just sat back and commended the work. Um, I'll, I'll say one thing about Bobby Fish. He's not the same performer he was um, in the l- mid to late 2000s, but he looked significantly less thrashed and more up for it than he has been. I agree. Late. Um, look, ultimately, if Sammy Guevara ends up having a nice long run, we'll probably remember this fondly without loving it. Um, Do I want to see more Bobby Fish on Dynamite, considering how many more people I want to see on Dynamite? like I want to see Rio a lot more than I am, for example. Like, It's a loaded roster. I've got no doubt that they can rotate Fish effectively. How much do I want to see him after this? And I think that's the main point. My answer would be, uh, not that much more. But, you know, if he works with a Garcia, yeah, or a Moriarty type, then that might add an an extra dimension that will complement the show.
0: Yeah, and I think, congratulations to him, he's now all elite, Uh, I think he's another brilliant wrestling brain to have around.
1: It'd be remiss of me not to say that, popping for Dance Away, that's great, I hope that gets over, a pretty niche, almost so bad it's good, but also really good theme (laughs) um, from the Red Dragon days. Yeah, I mean, I would listen to that every week, so that probably counts for something.
0: Uh, let's talk about the post-match, though, because immediately after the match finishes, in comes the men of the year uh, flanked by, well, m- one of the men of the year. The other one was rather busy having a child. Congratulations to all ego, Ethan Page. Uh, but thankfully, Scorpio Sky doesn't come on home. He's got Dan Labber and the rest of uh, American Top Team. They come in, uh, surround Guevara, Paige Van Zandt distracts him, Scorpio Sky cheap shots him, and then they just beat him down. Uh, Junior Dos Santos... Let's not forget a former UFC heavyweight champion. That might come in something in a little while. Uh, ground and pound. Fuego Del Sol tries to make the save and does nothing. Uh, to be perfectly honest, immediately gets taken down and beaten. Of course, of course he does. But out comes Chris Jericho, uh, flanked by Jake Hager. They come in. There's a big brawl. Chris Jericho beats up Junior Dos Santos so much he has to get out of the ring. Preposterous, but okay. We're going somewhere with this, I suppose. Um Dan Lambert tries to cut a promo, what well, we've just hit the chorus of Judas. So he just sort of lets it happen, furiously uh, protesting that they're still banging on about this. He, uh, he cuts a promo. Uh, he says, we are going to Miami next week. And uh, Jorge Masvidal is the king of Miami. Uh, and he wants a match. Uh, it's the inner city jerkoffs versus the men of the year with Junior Dos Santos. Uh, and he told him about... Jorge Masvidal again. He's the baddest bodyguard on the planet as if Chris Jericho needed a reminder. Uh, He's going to be there ringside as well. Uh, Jericho couldn't hear a word of this and after some technical difference with the microphone announced that they were going to beat the the living shiznit uh, out of Lambert and his dip shiz team too.
1: I don't know what to say about this. It is the most white hot nuclear thing that I think is fine. (laughs) <laughs> it's so bizarre, like, usually, like, is a collective audience, I'm virtually with the wider AEW fan base, if you like, every single step of the way. More often than not, I'm um, high on the matches that they are high on, the developments they're high on, and I get kind of bored or just removed from the same things. This is, I can't... Explain how over this is. You've got two phenomenal mic workers in Lambert and Jericho. And I th- guess between them, they're so barking and loud that it just draws people in, in these live settings, into sort of this boisterous mood themselves. Like just two incredible mic guys threatening each other very loudly amid wild brawls with like hard guys. With a sprinkling of swearing. Swearing, obviously, as he's, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you're completely, perfectly right there. Just works in the live setting, possibly way more than it does on telly. Like, I'm not be funny. If you take this feud from the start date when they went mental for the homophobia, and mm-hmm. I was just instantly turned off, to now, I'm, I, this is going to sound like hyperbole. It's not. You put this in virtually any other year in pro wrestling history, or
0: the 2010s. Mm-hmm.
1: It's feud of the year.
0: It is wild.
1: People are mad into this. It's louder than most things I've ever heard.
0: I really enjoy it. I do have to suspect my disbelief is quite a committed MMA fan as well. Like JDS getting punched out by Chris Jericho. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I mean, this is part of the problem that I have. that Hardly anybody else does.
1: MMA pro wrestling has to be... Perfectly meshed together for it to work as a hybrid because otherwise, as you said, the discrepancy and the just they can't reconcile the two events happening, it's just bollocks. If I'm being blunt, like using a recent example that a lot of listeners will be aware of, like Ronda Rousey, I think she's had the most underrated and under goddamn appreciated run in WWE history. Like the fans, I don't usually go for the fans are dicks, but the fans were such dicks to Ronda Rousey, Mm. her run. That's by the by, I'm just being cranky. Her run was awesome, most of the time. If people could work a really convincing match against her, my God, it was better than anything the women's division's ever done, in my opinion. Like, Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair, finisher side of Survivor Series was absolutely unbelievable. Just the danger, the intensity, the physicality, just everything was awesome. And then she worked Alexa Bliss. It's like...
0: No, mm.
1: there's, there's no chance, and I had to fold that into the story because it was just such a ridiculous thing. So, yeah, MMA wrestling is hard to do, but Jesus
0: Christ, it's the hottest thing that I've ever been lukewarm to. And, uh, yeah, fascinating because the next week's dynamite's on a Saturday, isn't it? Oh, god, next week's gonna suck. <laughs> our, our, our schedule's gonna be all over the bloody place, but uh, yeah, the prospect of JDS flanking Ethan Page and, and Scorpio Sky taking on. You circle is interesting, and yeah, the added spice of Jorge Masvidal in some outrageous drip at ringside is going to be is going to be absolutely outrageous, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: Masvidal looked like the one who really gets it, hence why he's going to get the big match because is he the guy Dos Santos? G- JDS, yeah, JDS is if he's going to be the the third guy in a trios match and they're building towards Masvidal doing something more, then, I mean, I don't know anything about them. But Masvidal's the one where I'm like, oh, he
0: feels like he's really hard, and he's got a fair bit of chops on him in terms of cutting promos and stuff. Like, you look at the way he built up his match with Dan, Dan, Dan Askren, with Ben Askren even, that he hit with him with the flying knee after like four seconds or whatever yeah. it was. All that was was just mouth, 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 mouth. He can talk himself into title matches in UFC. He's having some time off from that because he's just lost a couple of title challenges. It makes a lot of sense. And like you say, it's the big fight for Jericho. All I would suggest next week is make sure it's Hager and JDS taking each other out of the match because that's believable. Not Chris Jericho yeah. hitting a bloody Judas effect on a former UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah. Right, let's move on and talk about The Acclaimed. They were backstage. Uh, they have got a tag team title match coming up on Rampage uh, against the Lucha Bros. They said they were going to stomp the Scooby-Doo villain-looking asses out. Uh, two
1: things. One, I don't really have time to watch too much of Dark or Dark Elevation. I get the bullet points. I watch the best matches. And mm-hmm. even then, I'm thinking, where The acclaim come from? And If I'm thinking that, it's a really engaged AEW... Um. Watcher, viewer, it just doesn't feel earned that they are the number one.
0: I was surprised. They haven't, been on, they haven't worked a match in Dynamite since he got suspended, have they not? Not as far as I know. He Caster, offered him out for a rap battle the other week, didn't yeah, he? Yeah,
1: Caster got beat singles, I know, on Rampage.
0: So oh, yeah. It just doesn't with, with feel... With not it? Ultimately,
1: more stat pattern that is the tree in the forest.
0: It is. It's yeah, the fair. tree,
1: forest, dark stat pattern... So that's an issue. Another issue is that this promo was like really, it was a nothing promo from Castor. Usually we come into the office when he was like operating at his peak before the unpleasantness. And we were popping each other daft with impressions of Castor.
0: And those days feel
1: far away. Hmm.
0: Uh, then, we get, then we get the huge announcement from Tony Khan. Um, it was Tony Giovanni making it, I suppose, though. He was uh, in the ring. He's Aubrey Edwards next to him with something under a cover. And it was the new TBS Championship. It is basically the TNT Championship for the women's division for when they transition onto TBS on, I believe, the 5th of January. That is when the. Tournament is going to start for all this. Um, it's going to, like I say, serve a similar purpose to the TNT Championship in the women's division. A sort of mid-card title, but hopefully they can elevate it in a similar way to the likes that Miro did and Cody and Brody Lee, of course, did. So it's more of a sort of sideways championship. Great idea, this, I think. We talked about it at the time, how they need something because at the moment it's either you're fighting for the title or you're squabbling my opinion, and a lot of this women's division. Um, And looks great as well. Simple, similar to the TNT Championship. It's blue rather than the red bit on the TNT Championship. And the the logo is the TBS logo. Nothing to really complain about here. I think this is a great idea.
1: I do think it's a great idea. I'm torn between two takes. Either it's coming exactly the right time or it's too little too late because, my God, the work in Shida Deeb, mostly was tremendous, and the reaction did not accompany it or reflect it. It was great, yeah. It really feels like the women's division. And I don't know how fair this is, because if you chart it week to week, month to month, there's been loads of great stuff in it. But as we've pointed out, we're not bad faith actors on this podcast. If anything, we get accused of being the complete opposite, right? This is legitimately good faith criticism. They do WWE booking for this women's division. They still do, even when it's great, it still resonates with this token vibe of we kind of have to do it. We only want to do one match a week on Dynamite, but, you know, that's a lot. And underneath that, as you said, squabbling, um, WWE style tag feuds where you go through every single singles combination you can before you get to a tag team match in the middle of a one hour show. That's as long as a single. So, what's really been built towards? There are still problems with this division, and I genuinely think at this point the fans have stigmatized it as the beer break and yeah the sign was cruel the sign was unnecessary the beer break sign was well just don't be overtly a cock just certainly hands if you're not interested like I just got saddened a little bit by the reaction to Shida versus Deeb because if they were booked and I know she uh Deeb's just come back if Shida hadn't been vanished like she was, this would have got way more of a reaction. And the reason why she's vanished, is because they don't seem to care about women's wrestling mm. as much as men's. This belt is the... It's not the last shot. Like they've got years and years and years left. But I just couldn't escape the feeling that... It's about bloody time. Yeah, but
0: maybe that, it's too late. I'm hoping... Maybe I'm slightly too optimistic here. I'm hoping it is the shot in the arm that the rest of the women's division needs. Because like you say, it's Britt Baker... Whoever's being set up to face Britt Baker, and then a lot of time everybody else. Yeah. So hopefully we'll talk more about it actually when we get to the uh, responses from the likes of Britt Baker, uh, Thunder Rosa, etc. In a little bit because Darby Allen was sitting down with Jim Ross. Uh, Jim Ross very uncomfortable, understandably, talking with him about what happened last week with Darby Allen and MJF. Um, uh, MJF, in case you didn't know, said he'd rather that Darby Allen died rather than his uncle when they had that car crash when he was young. Uh, Darby Allen. Sort of wanted to elaborate because MJF referenced it about him painting his face. Um, He said he paints half his face because 50% of him feels dead inside. His respect and trust for people is low. He faced death that day when he was in the car accident with his uncle, but he's still here. MJF, he said, can say whatever he wants, but Allen is going to win this war because he's never met somebody like Darby Allen. MJF's trying to break him. Darby Allen seemingly refused to be broken even. Very problem with this otherwise, and it's not a problem, right?
1: When AEW was first formed and they just did pay per views before the TV deal kicked into effect, um, they've already told you this about Darby Allen mm-hmm. um, in the character profiles on the Road to the First Fighter yeah. Fest. So when Darby Allen said, oh, Cat's out of the bag, that dickhead MJF has told you all something I didn't want you to know. It's so, like, well, no, you told us mm. two years ago. Um, but at the same time, it has either been forgotten about or maybe people weren't watching at the time. The audience has grown and is growing. I agree, yeah. If that had framed it a different way, or just being a slightly more careful with the wording. And it's a great thing to bring up for GP. It's fantastic. Like, how can you not sympathize with this guy? How could you not think MGS is a total arsehole for bringing this back up? Basically, exhuming this... Genuine chapter in Darby Allen's history, obviously with his consent, is a great idea. Mm. But just be more careful to the nerds like myself who've. Devoured everything about this company. Apart from, you know, most episodes of Dark and Dark
0: Elevation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Derby was in action next uh, against Nick Camarotto. Uh, he comes out. He's not in a good mood. Understandably, he immediately dives onto uh, Camarotto and Solo, who was at ringside with him. Uh, They get into the ring, he hits a a short coffin drop, goes for the up-and-over stunner, uh, but Comoroto catches it, power slams in, we go into the ad break, and when we come back, pretty much straight to the finish, uh, Alan flips out of a suplex, stunner, coffin drop on the back of Nick Comorato. One, two, three, post-match, QT Marshall slides in. Here's the cutter on Sting, it has zero effect. Sting immediately pops back up, huge pap from the audience, uh, kicks him in the cock, and hits the scorpion death drop. I'll never complain about Sting no-selling stuff and
1: Sting doing cool stuff and getting pops for doing cool stuff.
0: I liked uh, also Sting's face paint sort of, sort of going over the, the shirt of uh, of QT Marshall. What did you make of Alan and Camarato? Fairly straightforward. No, it was just there, wasn't it? Yeah. It was
1: just there. Um, I wouldn't... I'm not going to say anything. Okay, fair enough. was um, something I was going to say about Camarato, but I won't. Okay.
0: Uh, we are moving on to the Dark Order, who've, who are moving on themselves from previous events. They're backstage. Uh, evil owner holds his hands up and uh, said he, he's made some mistakes and he wants everyone else to make decisions. And Alex Reynolds suggests, why don't we just vote on things? And they do the hand gesture and what have you. And they start bickering because uh, John Silver suggests that Alan Angels puts the mask back on again. But thankfully, Anna J calms it all down. Everyone can get along again now. Nice. Yeah, Nice. <laughs> Uh, what's less nice uh, was what happened to Dante Martin next he was in the ring with Tony Schawani got a great reaction uh, understandably talked about his last few months you know taking Kenny Omega to the limit he said uh, he's been a problem in the last few months for anyone he faced in AEW and issued an open challenge to the AEW locker room he wants to fight anyone plucky little babyface that he is what a fool because the lights go out lights come back up who is behind him in full garb but Malachi Black Uh, he missed Dante Martin in the face Hits that horrific kick. Uh, Martin goes down. He goes like stiff as a board, which I thought was a great sell from him. Goes down. Lights come go off. Come back up again. When they're back up. Dante Martin is no longer in the ring. He's on the outside. They show him at the end. But uh, Black grabs a mic and says, the House of Black accepts. Be careful what you wish for. Indeed.
1: I love all of this. As simple as it was. And I can still talk loads about it, even though it was very simple. It was just an angle. When the lights go out in wrestling, fans are hardwired to expect. Oh, eh, massive surprise. Like, oh, that's pretty wide coming then. It's just as soon as the lights go out, people, because of the ECW stuff and how that's been, like, folded into virtually every other company. Like, even New Japan started doing it um, a few years ago. The fact that it's Malachi Black, just a guy who's there most weeks, every time, and he still gets the pop. He doesn't get that, oh, it's just the guy who's always here means that he's over, he's over big. And he's over big in this company as well, which is such a huge testament to how well he's performed since he's got there. So that really is a key detail of how over he is. That should be underscored, underlined, and, bold, and italicized, everything. What I also love is that, presumably, this match is going to go 15, 12 to 15, as opposed to the eight of the eight minutes that Malachi Black, on average, has done. All well, which is to state that if they go 12 to 15 in the total back and forth banger that Malachi Black has only just started to work in that second Cody match, means that one, how over will Dante Martin look mm-hmm. because they are so patient with their slow burn approach to how they very slowly introduce characters and don't give anything away that they don't need to? If he goes f- 12 to 15 with Malachi Black in like a four star plus banger, it will reflect so well on him because he's taken Malachi Black further than anybody has. We got the hint towards that when he said that in his promo, i take Omega to his limit. So we're going to get a 12 to 15 minute banger. Malachi Black's going to win and he's going to stay over as a result. But because they've measured his character so well, getting over in defeat remains the
0: most wonderful, effective thing in AEW right now. If he's not going to be the one challenging Kenny Omega for the title as we pitched last week, a hell of a route for him to take anyway. Dante Martin just continues to impress. Yeah, and when he gets that breakthrough singles win, which ain't going to be against Malachi Black,
1: because he's shown you so much. Exactly. While at the same time getting heels over, it's just the ecosystem in this company is phenomenal.
0: Uh, next, and I'm, I'm, this isn't me sighing about Ricky Starts, who's an absolute peace. Thing. I just I'm bored of this storyline he's in the ring he's got the FTW championship they're in Philly he talks about Taz he talks about you know the the, the legacy of, of Taz and this belt and what have you um, he says he's got the same mindset as him and he said look I was going to challenge Brian Cage to a Philly street fight tonight, but guess what? That prick didn't show up to work. Immediately, of course, Brian Cage's music hits. He comes down, brawls with Starks. Thankfully, powerhouse Hobbs and Hook run out, make the save. They bail, and uh, yeah, the match is set for Rampage. Just get on with it now.
1: Yeah, get on with it. I did like, I was going to challenge his corny ass Mm. to a Philly street fight. I just like that corny ass. but This felt very much like, I didn't really believe that this is a white-hot program. I didn't believe there was loads of animosity. I just couldn't help but think that they've got a match that they're going to do on Rampage, and I was just imagining in my head Tony and QT on the format sheet saying, how do we sell this in two minutes? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't really feel like this big thing that grabbed me or felt like a huge part of the show. Yeah, just get on with it. Yeah, I'm just I'm
0: just trying to remember. Yeah, so it was... Uh, Brian Cage and, and Hangman Page was at double or nothing. It feels like... So it feels... It's been going on for so bloody long. I know that, w- that was prior... There was tensions
1: it. within Team Taz in, in the immediate aftermath of Revolution. Mm. If you remember, after the Revolution street fight, Brian Cage came out, extended his hand towards Sting to say, look, he kicked our asses. I just want to say I respect you. And then Team Taz was like, apoplectic at the thought that showing other people respect which is the thing we crave more than anything. No, we need it. Don't give it to them. We're talking, is it February, March? Yeah. Like They love a saga for the sake of a saga in this company. It's one of my few problems with it.
0: I love a slow burn. We'll get to it when we get to the main event of tonight. But this, I'm just I'm just completely indifferent like, towards. Make A
1: while the sun shines, because people were into the Team Taz thing. And no one is anymore.
0: Mm, exactly. Uh, this is where we got uh, people like Thunder Rosa, Sky Blue, Ruby Soho, and the eventual winner, uh, Jake Cargill, talking about the TBS Championship Tournament. Um, like I said, just a reminder that we have got, and you haven't you mentioned there, you got Rio, you got Chris Statland, you and know, the list can go on. It is developing slowly but surely, and it's nice to immediately see these people keen to grab this title away. Uh, particularly someone like Thunder Rosa, who's not getting near the world title for a while, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: again, I just need them to. It's good that they got the belt. Surely the presence of the division is going to expand. Why couldn't I have had, like, Riho or Ruby Soho versus someone and say, are you going to, like, just two women's Dynamite matches a week? Mm. Put your money where your mouth is. You've got the talent now. Like, that was
0: always the legitimate excuse in 2020. You
1: don't have that anymore.
0: <laughs> All I can think of there is the the fear in Sky Blue's eyes, you know, relatively new new to to this business, uh, uh, cutting a promo and then thinking, you think you know fear, you've got to face Jay Cargill on Friday, so that's going to be interesting. Let's, As we're talking about it in in this moment, let's talk about Britt Baker's promo later as well. What was uh, Jay Cargill's TBS pun again? I think it was something like That Bitch Show or something.
1: Why can't you call the TBS title That Bitch's Strap? Ooh,
0: that would have been better. Yeah, someone like Mark Sterling should be helping her with stuff like that. Uh, anyway, Britt Baker. I'll talk about it now, even though it came just before the main event. She's chatting uh, with Tony Schiavone, flanked of course by uh, Reba Rebel and Jamie Hayter. and uh, she says she's excited because all these beaters can stop obsessing over her position. And you know, yeah, fight around that. We'll be, we'll be. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. But you know, I've got this, so don't worry about me, sort of thing. So well, just. What uh, did you make of that? Did you think it it, it sort of belittled the championship?
1: Baker's promo. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of it. She does have a tendency. To shoot. And it's creeping more and more into her work. I liked, remember this, Dr. Britt Baker's Board of Conspirators. <laughs> and she put over everyone, one by one. It was great, great balanced stuff. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't have had her cut up at all, if I'm being honest.
0: No, it just seemed weird to have her be like, oh, that's nice of you guys because you can't reach this. Because it just, you know, the TNT Championship was never necessarily belittled by the world champion. It was just, Cody went after it because he can't go after the world title. It was I just think the positioning in fans' minds... They've struck the
1: balance of the TNT perfectly. We know it kind of is a mid-card title, but it isn't. And they trust us implicitly to receive it in the way it's meant to be. It's not as important as the world title. It's still, nonetheless, extremely
0: important. And I think it speaks volumes that we often complain about. Let's take Samoa Joe from a while back, for example, losing the US title and immediately going into a world title feud with Kofi Kingston, if I'm not mistaken. It's very different, in my opinion, and I'd be the first to jump all over this if this was the case, that we was sat here yesterday and I was saying, maybe Miro's going to be the joker and go on to win the world title because it's not like, no, oh, you've got rid of that bit of baggage and now maybe you can do the real title yeah. stuff. Like you say, I think that the way they've presented it has been really, really good. Um... Right, let's talk about Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. They mentioned the fact there's even a little trophy that this would be Shida's 50th victory in AEW. I feel like I say this because the moment I saw that trophy, I went, she better not win that tonight. God, it'd be great if, if Serena Deeb ruins this party. Um, excellent chain wrestling to start off with. They go to a stalemate. Uh, Shida sort of acknowledges that. Goes for a handshake. Gets the slate, the taste slapped out of her mouth by Serena Deeb, who's oh, I'm so happy she's back in a wrestling ring. Um Shida gets on the attack though, running knee lift over the ring apron. She does that thing where she sets up a chair on the outside. Serena Deeb just folds up the chair, pushes it back under the ring, climbs back into it because magnificent. Was, ooh, lush. Um she attacks Sheeta upon re-entry, hits a neck breaker over the ropes. Uh it seemed to on my <laughs> way while I was watching this on, the neck breaker. Caused a State Farm advert on my thing, but still, there you go. To picture in picture, when we come back, uh, Sheeta's got uh, Serena Deeb in the front face lock, and his air blade spinning around. It was a wild spot that. Uh, later on, as Shida's coming back through the ropes, uh, Deeb chops the knee, does the old dragon screw. She's she's weakening that leg. Uh, follows that up with a swing neck breaker for a near fall. Sheeta comes back though again with those knee strikes, uh, avoids a chop block, hits an inverted power slam for a near fall. Uh, gets a running elbow and the falcon arrow again for a near fall, Sheeta's going for it, but as uh, as she's going for those strikes, Deeb catches one of the knees, rakes Shida's eyes, uh, hits an inverted dragon screw, hits the Deep tox, looks like she's got the match won, but Shida kicks out, so instead, uh, Serena Deeb, because she's just an excellent pro wrestler, transitions immediately into the serenity lock, utilising that injured leg she's been targeting, and unfortunately, Hikaru Shida doesn't get 50 wins. She has to tap out and to uh, rub salt into the wound. She does get a nice close-up of the trophy afterwards when Serena Dean twats her in the face with it. I really enjoyed this, and it deserved more from the crowd.
1: A winner on a losing streak is still a winner because it's uh, This is just great. The Sheeta stuff's great. More of it, please. More of it. If she's in a funk professionally, good. Beat her. Give more exposure Use her credibility that's still there because we know it's just class is permanent form is temporary, yeah. unless you're that little bastard Michael Owen, who's ah oh, your pace is gone, you've got now else. You can finish, can you? Well, how are you gonna run onto a ball? You glue horse prick. Honestly <laughs> delighted that his career went the way it did. And no one likes him anymore either. Because he went to Manu. Yeah. Even the Liverpool fans think it's a knob now. Fantastic. Anyway, i will be very indulgent on this podcast. I do apologize. Um, yeah. Great
0: fundamentals.
1: <laughs> Great fundamentals. The slow dissection of the knee. Lovely. Just absolutely lovely. The unwillingness to let it bother her manifesting in defiant spots. Like, I want to wring your neck then. Just great wrestling, not on the level of uh, Deep versus Riho, which basically told the same story at Dublin or nothing. This was a less good version of that, but it was still excellent in terms of the work. But my god, that I, I, I don't know if the crowd are just waiting for something. If it's just unique to this crowd, or if the women's division has been stigmatized that fans think of oh, Baker's not in it. I'm not going to be that arsed or if certain matches or a genre of wrestling just doesn't get over in front of the live dynamite crowds because they're so used to these fireworks, bombs, explosions, because FTR have a kind of a similar problem at the start of their I matches. I love their matches as well, yeah. But like, the fans get lost sometimes with really intricate mat work. I don't know if it's... I don't know what the hell the problem is, but my God, they deserve more than they got reaction-wise. The big moments got a reaction. There were um during Deeb's quite vile heat spot but it never felt like the reception was... It never felt like the work got the reaction it deserved.
0: No, I completely agree. And I'm, I'm sort of torn as well in terms of the placement on this show. You and I spoke about this yesterday of, like, don't put it in the slot that you always put it in, which they sort of did. It was the last match before the main event. But also, I can actually see why they've done that because you compare it to Mad ladder table spots and then you've got someone talking someone's knee instead. I thought it gave a nice sort of balance, but I completely agree. FTR uh, uh, definitely deserve more from from crowds. And uh, yeah, I think it's light and shade but is what you need in your wrestling. And, and this provided for me, this is one of my favorite matches of the night.
1: But I don't want to like sprawl into like a really open, complex, philosophical debate because you have to work for a crowd. Mm. And part of the appeal of Dynamite is in the range of the action. Um, I don't know about a subject for another day I just thought this match deserved better
0: uh, let's move on because I, I, I don't really know what happened next there was well Darby Allen's backstage and he gets informed that MJF has, has asked and been granted uh, a match with him next week he accepts and then this limo shows up and a group of hooligans what, 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 what can only be described Michael Sidgwick as, as mystery men yes uh, uh, I do not know who they are. The commentators seem to suggest they could work out who these men were because their cackles and the fact they f ten someone. For me, I thought, what is going on? Who are these? You know, usurpers? These men invading? Well, they might not have been men. I, I don't know. They're wearing hood. They're wearing hoods. They're wearing balaclavas. They're colored in black. And surprisingly, they attack Darby Allen. This mystery attack occurs. He gets hit with a sh- chair shot from. Someone who's quite adept with a chair, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, then there's sort of this double team, this this pair of men who seem to work very well in sync with each other. They, uh, ho, they launched Dar- Dar- Darby Allen into these railings, and then this big hulking dude that I felt this adoration—I can only describe it for—lifted him up. And you remember the F five that Brock Lesnar yeah. did? It was like twice as good as that, basically. He does that in this horrific bump into the railings and the concrete floor. And then this other guy who just had this animal magnetism, if I'm perfectly honest, chokes Darby Allen out with his skateboard, and then they leave again in their limousine. Uh, it may well affect Darby Allen's readiness ahead of his match with MJF next week, but it's just all a mystery to me, this.
1: I mean, I don't know why you didn't cover the biggest news story of the day. Retribution is all elite.
0: <laughs> I did, we did on the news, I shouted, Slapjack is all elite!
1: Now, I don't know who these guys are. All I know is that they have a lot of chemistry mm. and a lot of um, sense that they have a lot of like philosophical similarities mm-hmm, and they should mm-hmm. be on screen together more often, these I, mystery men. I agree. Um oh, this is cool as hell. I will wait for the explanation as to why these men decided to obscure themselves. It's me too, yeah. I'm going to let it play out. This is the promotion. Look at this main event. This is the promotion that you actually can let things play out because the commentary teams seem to know who they are. There was no attempt to fool anyone. There will be an explanation for this and I will hold out for it. Um, but any weirdness of, what am I doing this for? It was completely washed away because the beatdown was awesome. It was I would it. kill Darby Allin every week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, look, he not not as in you would, as in if you were booking. I mean, he doesn't want a long career. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, when he was preparing for matches a while back, he was jumping off stuff of his own volition. So
1: he doesn't want a long career. Um, and just give, just give him what he wants. Like, I, give I, I, the
0: wrestler what he wants. He, like, the thing is,
1: he has to win matches like he did against Camaro. He has to do these awesome things where he gets dragged out in like an old timey wooden coffin, like. I know the balance has to be, like, struck So he doesn't just look like a geek But my god, I would kill this mother Every single week Because he just takes a beating (laughs) Takes A better beating Than Alexa Bliss stands. cack How you doing? (laughs)
0: Four matches uh, confirmed for AEW Rampage. CM Punk versus Daniel Garcia. The tag title's on the line. Lucha Bros versus the acclaimed. That Philly Street Fight. And uh, Sky Blue getting destroyed by Jay Cargill, more than likely. We'll preview all these tomorrow, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. No point talking about it now. Save it for the money.
0: Uh, Let's talk about Leo Rush. He was next. He uh, addressed Dante Martin. He said he's a huge fan, but Leo's the man of the hour. LBO, Leo. I've already forgotten. Limited business opportunities? Offer? Offer? I don't understand all that. Uh, uh, NFT's just passed. Me. out? We don't know any of the words. Really honest. Regardless, he wants to put an arm around Dante Martin. He's an undervalued commodity. He wants to take him to new heights, and he offers his guidance ahead of this match with Malachi Black. What do you think? Dante Martin versus Leo Rush? is going to be the absolute tits. <laughs> <laughs> um, what am I gesticulating? It's just they
1: just, just, uh, got a big pair of titties. <laughs> an absolute big titty gal- on, girlfriend. Thing? not my
0: workout today. No, no, me neither, actually. neither. Tits in the game. Titus,
1: I got the slappiest sharp tits in the game, personally. <laughs> um, like, that match is going to absolutely bang. Um, look, last week, I did the Michael Scott. Explains to me like I'm five. I didn't really explain it, but I felt like, all oh, right, he's just got money. <laughs> Good. <laughs>
0: oh, but very excited to see more of the 26-year-old piece, piece of gold. I want to <laughs> be a cowboy, baby. 27? Just seen on his Wikipedia, by the way. Uh, uh, right, main event time it is... twenty four. The Casino, oh, I remember. The casino ladder match to see who goes the number one contender when they grab that chip. Uh, you pitched Orange Cassidy versus uh, Lance Archer to start. And you know, I was watching this this morning and, and I thought of you because I thought you'll be disappointed that it wasn't Orange it was Cassidy back. versus Lance. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, the beauty of it's this pack. company is, is... Like, if I said, oh, I really want it to be two WWE wrestlers... And then it'd just be too generic baby face and heel dynamic. And you go, oh, I suppose that's a thing. Whereas this, I was like, oh yeah, Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy and Pack. Great stuff. Uh, Orange Cassidy also flanked by Franklin the Dog from the San, San Francisco, from the from the Philadelphia 76ers. Cool. <laughs> Pat comes out. He is having none yet again of this bollocks from Orange Cassidy. Um, just wonderful amateur wrestling. I love that move. I don't know what it's called. I assume it's got some sort of terminology from amateur wrestling. But I love that move where someone takes someone out to the mat and does like a 360 spin on their back just to show, I've got all your limbs covered, basically. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but it always pops me. Um, so, Pack dominates. He goes, Breakdanced almost. That's yeah, crazy. basically. He, uh, he brings a ladder into the ring. Orange Cassidy immediately pushes it out, of course, because he's Orange Cassidy. Uh, goes for the Tornado DDT, but Pack takes him out with a brain buster. Third person out, naturally, is Andrade El Idolo. He immediately tries to bring in a ladder, but Pac drop dropkicks it into its face. Pac sets up a ladder, goes up top, but Andrade springboards onto it, meets Pack, they brawl, and they hit a mad sunset flip powerbomb, to which Pac is sort of late. I love the fact that Pack his selling is magnificent. There was the spot after this where he gets hit with the sunset flip power bomb, and I'm, gonna ge- I'm trying to demonstrate this to you. Apologise if anything happens wardrobe wise, and but he basically was there, sort of teabagging. himself. <laughs> after he got I not so- to see that. <laughs> but I just love that cell. I thought I just I was worthy of a mention. I thought anyway. Uh, yeah, not an impression.
1: Mm. Worthy of a mention, not an impression. I've seen way more of your absolute taint than I ever want to see again.
0: Uh, well, thankfully, he didn't taint the match because Orange Cassidy comes in, goes for the kicks, or does the, does the kicks, actually, on Andrade, who goes to mirror the, the hands-in-the-pocket spot and just <laughs> frying pan-chop on Orange Cassidy, to which even Orange Cassidy has to go, oh, that's massive awesome hit. He, uh, he does that. Out comes uh, Matt Hardy. Uh, orange goes for the orange punch. He gets hit with a side effect. We go to commercial. During commercial... I was just looking at the little picture picture. and watching Lance Archer, who came out, wrecking dudes. Uh, and uh, it, when we come back, he's just nailing Orange Cassidy into the, the ladder bridge that he set up amongst another ladder and onto the ring ropes. Slight problem here, major problem for, for Andy Murray, who's writing the ups and downs article for whatculture.com. Go and check it out because Lance Archer... He's meant to set up the ladder, be about to go up it to grab this chip, because you can grab it at any time. And then, oh, bloody hell, John Moxley's here. I better go out and fight him. What actually happens is Lance Archer sets up the, the ladder, and I look behind him, and there's 20 seconds left, and he has to go, well, that's the ladder set. It's definitely set. And the commentators go, Lance, what are you doing, mate? Eventually, he goes to climb. Then the, the music hits. Mox comes out through the crowd, of course. Archer goes to meet him. Slightly slapping a fan on the way there, which popped us this morning. Uh, Moxley hoys a chair at Archer. They brawl. The fight gets into the ring. Uh, Archer returns the favor with the chair toss. Uh, orange hits two orange punches uh, on Lance Archer, but Moxley stops him from climbing the ladder and he drop kicks another ladder into Lance Archer. Never mind all that bollocks, though, because the Joker, as we'd sort of hoped for, not to give it a backhand, but sort of hoped for. Is Hangman Page, and you talk about the reactions that we've seen from from wrestling crowds since the the pandemic has allowed people back in. I don't want to say it's over. Of course, please be safe, everyone. Get vaccinated and wear a mask. The noise that hits when it is revealed to be Hangman Page, Um, because like I said, you know, I, with all these new arrivals, I'd forgot Hangman Page was a AEW roster member. Don't give me that bollocks on social. Anyway, so Hangman Page comes out. I said I wasn't going to moan. Hangman Page comes out to a huge reaction. What? what, what? Huge bop. uh, And uh, there's cowboy shiz chants all around. Uh, He comes in and he just starts battering Moxley and they trade forearms. Um, He catches a dive from Cassidy, Hangman Page that is, slams him into the ladder, uh, nails Hardy out on the floor and uh, it looks like he's he's dominated everyone. He's immediately going to go up and just grab that. Grab that chip, but Pac hits him with a chair, sets up a ladder, sets up a table. He's going to do something mad, uh, either off the ladder or off the turnbuckles or whatever. But as he puts Cage onto the table and climbs the ladder, Andrade gets involved. They fight at the top. Andrade takes a bloody rough bump. Jesus. He gets headbutted off the ladder and falls onto a ladder bridge that just explodes everywhere. In the midst of all this... Oh, in the midst of me thinking, well, that's the worst bump anyone's going to have to take today. Page jumps up, grabs Pac and hits him with a off-the-ladder dead eye through a table. Wow, was this a hell of a popper. Um, Moxley jumps in, snatches, uh, Page hits him with a paradigm shift. Uh, It's Moxley and Orange Cassidy climbing the ladder, but Hardy comes in, pushes them both down. Hardy, for a man who I was very negative towards, I have to admit, uh, in the build to this, especially when he was announced as one of the competitors... He did just play all the hits. He rolled Orange to the outside, puts him on a table, hits the outside, leg drop to put him through it. Good stuff, all that. Archer and Moxley take each other out. um, Or Archer, Archer, sorry, takes Moxley out, sets the ladder up, and in second, millisecond, millisecond, perfect timing... Just as he set the, te- the ladder up, he turns around into a picture-perfect buckshot lariat from Hangman Page. Moxley and Page uh, brawl again. Moxley hits Page with a steel chair. But as they're fighting the top, Page lays in right hands, knocks Moxley off the uh, ladder. He collapses to the mat, and Page reaches up and grabs that chip. He is the new number one contender for Kenny Omega's AEW World Championship. And more importantly, arguably,
1: he's back. Yes, uh, I love this. I love this way, way, way more than I thought I was going to love it. I thought the execution of something that transcended its genre trappings was just immaculate. The, there's a logic issue with the interval format of this match because why bring a Joker back or have a Joker or a sixth entrant or a fifth if it can feasibly end within minutes because it's a wrestling match. Any, any can. There was something about the fact that it was on TV. The intervals were like, right, there's a minute past, boom, get that clock on. It didn't really matter. (laughs) It just felt so much tighter and more compact and less flabby than Mm -hmm. these matches tend to do. I'm going to be accused of being a hypocrite. I don't care. Don't give a shit. To use uh, Jim Ross's quite endearing thing that he does now, for some reason. (laughs) One, the format of the match. Don't care. It was tighter. Didn't re- It's still, if you analyze it very closely, which I tend to do, it doesn't make that much sense. I'm not bothered. Like, yes, you've got... Oh, he's, where's he been Oh, selling for way longer than he ever would ordinarily? Like, these are just... I point them out every time because these are fundamental problems with multi-man ladder matches. Yeah, right? Fundamental problems <laughs> with ladder matches. But, you know, I've seen so many that it's kind of just... I'm numb to yeah. these plot holes, okay? Two... I got a key detail of the goddamn Hangman Page storyline wrong yesterday. And I hate myself for it because let's just say I'm up to that point in my project. And I'm going to give you more insight on this saga than anybody else in not long now. Um, it was never explicitly said that you can never challenge for Kenny Omega's title again. It was simply, you're out of the rankings system. So how does he come back? He circumvents the ranking system by becoming the Joker,
0: which, as you pointed out in the office, just in case you forget to mention it, he's already climbed to the top of twice. That's
1: the thing; it w- doesn't feel like a cheat. It's the best p- possible version of a suboptimal situation. You want the time off, and his win would have been overshadowed at All Out, and the events of All Out meant that we're well, probably better off extending this Kenny Omega title run. So. What they've done with the Joker is they've given you a class match. A really great, violent match on TV. And awarded through his absence and without being overshadowed, because that was never going to happen because if he suggested as much, it was in bad faith. A Steve Austin 1998 huge pap. So I don't care. Maybe he's the Joker. And uh, it doesn't feel cheap because he has literally twice climbed the rankings last year, uh, in this last year, ahead of... Double or nothing, he went to number one, and then he got beat off Brian Cage, got bumped to number three, leaving Pac and Orange Cassidy to do the double or nothing. After double or nothing, he climbed to the top again, and then he looked scared that he got there, and then the Dark Order versus the Elite match happened. It would be a bit trite if he was to do this a third
0: time, so just make him be the joker. And you, I think you mentioned this yesterday, actually, on the preview. Kenny Omega can play a prey on those insecurities and say, mm, let's not forget that. what happened the last time you won a world title shot from winning a big battle royal thing. Yeah,
1: there's that. But also, who did he beat in the climactic sequence? A former champion. That is going to count for loads. Or at least it does to me, in my I didn't even think about it. that. That's a great, great yeah. point, yeah. So not only does it circle back to how he got here with the, the Joker, but the last time he was the Joker, he failed. That'll prey on his anxieties. But this time, he's beaten a world champion on the way to doing it, so that's a pivotal moment. So all of this, the Hangman Page stuff, something I've anticipated, half-dreaded. Pops don't lie. Pops don't lie. <laughs> and I got it wrong a key story beat so I'm absolutely fine with this I'm elated by this because it was awesome his low bridge from Lance Archer when he first got into the ring one of the first things he did was low bridge Lance Archer like I t- it took even the commentators by surprise because his timing was perfect his timing was perfect with the buckshot to oh, take yeah. Archer out it was it was on Page it was phenomenal in this match phenomenal the dead eye it was even higher than the one at all in against Joey Janella. Which was terrifying enough in itself. What a spot. It wasn't even my favourite Hangman Page moment in this match. There was timing elsewhere, was so great. And you got the highlight reel moment, you got a general all-round, brilliant individual performance, an absolutely nuclear reaction, thrilling, just amazing stuff. Andrade looked class in this match. He took an absolutely ridiculous bump. Any accusations that like he's getting a bit lazy, just nah, it's like, come on, like you're watching this match. It's like he's knacking himself to make some memorable moments outside of uh, the Hangman Page when His springboard onto the ladder, seamless. And when you look at his body doing those things, maybe he was right to try and add on this mask because it just looks way more impressive than it used to. Um, that was great. Pack was unbelievable. Orange Cassidy's rule was measured perfectly. They did the obligatory thing that they had to do with Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy, and it wasn't not thrilling. And... Look, the Archer moment was a bit rubbish and a bit poorly timed. But elsewhere, I think they did a great job of not just aimlessly setting things up. Obviously Mm. and aimlessly to the detriment of the pace of the match. I thought it was all done really well. All of the architecture, the construction that you have to do in a match like this. I thought was all done really quite seamlessly. Or as seamlessly as it can in a match of this type.
0: Yeah, to wrap up... uh We talked about this in the office. The second best match uh, ladder match that AW have put on since Escalera de la Muerta.
1: Uh, Yeah, by some distance between two and three, because I don't think they've they've not done a good multi-man singles match ladder until
0: last night. Mm. I thought it was great. I would have whacked a big fat four and a half on it if I was doing star ratings. Well, let us know your thoughts on this whole show and the return of Hangman Page, of course. And who on earth those mystery attackers may well have been on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at um, Sidgwick. follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow, of course, to preview AEW Rampage and later on today to do another, to another top 10 debate but for now my thanks to michael sidgwick Uh, don't forget to join us on saturday as well talking about two years of aew dynamite thank you for joining us and we will see you soon planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet
1: setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more